What's up, everybody? Hey, uh, the question, Aaron, on everybody's mind. Everyone out there that's watching right now, they're wondering this. They're wondering, what was it that you got last night, finally, after a couple weeks after Mother's Day? What was it that you finally got? Oh, my word. I have to let you know, though, that I've developed anxiety for whatever you're going to ask me when we <laughs> first start. It's terrifying. I got the most special Mother's Day gift prepared by, I'm assuming, my children. Mm -hmm. um, they know that I love to do puzzles. Yep. Um, a thousand piece puzzles is the sweet spot. Yep. Yeah. So we tried they, to do like a 10,000 piece one time, right? No, it was 2,000, oh, 2, but it 000. felt like 2 million. Yeah, okay. Very yeah. hard. So I like to do 1,000 piece puzzles, and my kids created a puzzle with pictures of them and me and Jeff um, on the puzzle. So I got a family puzzle that's pictures of our family. It was so sweet. Good job, kids. Good yeah. Good job. And Very better fun. late than never. I'm so thankful. Well, we ordered it with enough time for it to get there, but I don't know. It's funny because like Amazon still like you get it right on time. When you order from other places, it takes a while. So, but we yeah. finally got it. It's kind of like I sweet because you had like a Mother's Day and then you had a little bit of extra yep. day as well too. Yep. Yep. Father's Day is coming up. Just throwing it out there. Mm -hmm. Father's Day is coming up. A few weeks. Yeah, we already ordered his present. Did you really? Mm -hmm. No, really. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can preach now. I'm so like I wonder. We should speed this. Okay, along, sorry. We're speeding this along. All right. Hey, so. Welcome everyone, my name is Jeff, I'm the pastor here at Rhythm Church. This is my wife. I'm Erin, I am Jeff's wife. My primary job is to keep him on track. Yes, and she she does that so very well. Hey, this is what this is what our time's gonna look like. In just a moment, we're gonna open up the Bible, we're gonna talk about Jesus. Um, we're gonna go actually in the book of Acts, so if you wanna turn there now, that's cool, Acts chapter one. We're gonna read verses seven and eight, and then we're gonna jump into Acts chapter two, just a little bit after that. Um, and then after I speak for a little bit, we'll pray, but I wanna let you know a few things before we get into this. Uh, first being this, that if you're newer to this space, uh, go to MyRhythmChurch.com. At MyRhythmChurch.com, you can find uh, stuff for kids ministry, you can find stuff for uh, worship, you can find it, there's a tab for worship. Um, if you wanna worship at home, there's, uh, if you fill out a digital, you can fill out a digital communication card. There's a spot on there to give if you wanna um, support Rhythm Church financially as we, as we proclaim Jesus in North County, San Diego. And uh, what else? Like any upcoming events or things we have going on yep. with Rhythm, find that there so you can be involved. All on there. And and stay tuned, uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday, there's gonna be a massive update about uh, us opening back up for in-house gatherings. Not house, well, in church, in, in church, in, church, yeah, building. In church building gatherings. You're pretty excited about that. So um, be, uh, be ready for that. Stay tuned for that. And then also know this too, uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 12 to one, we are, we have prayer here. We're having prayer here in the church, in, building. in the church building. And we get in a circle or sometimes we'll just pray sporadically, just kind of like on your own. We have worship music playing, or you can join up in a circle and pray with other people, of course, six feet apart. And we're just interceding. We're interceding for our nation, we're interceding for our community, and we're interceding for Rhythm Church, our church, and then the church at large. We believe God moves through prayer. Absolutely. And if you do as well, and you have that time frame available, come. We're asking also too, that, uh, that we fast lunch during those days. We just fast lunch and just put all of our, our concentration and all of our energy um, into uh, praying. So 
Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Anything else? I feel like I'm forgetting something. You probably are, but you'll probably remember later. Okay. Love you. Love you. Love you, Rhythm Church. She's the best. Gosh, I love her. Phenomenal. All right, Acts chapter one. Hopefully you guys had enough time to get there. If you, if, if you haven't yet, and maybe you're new to your Bible. And if you, hey, by the way, if you're newer to Rhythm Church, like maybe you're just tuning in, this is maybe your first or second week watching us online, thank you so much. You're so welcomed here. Um, we're stoked that you're a part of this. Um, and two, if anyone out there wants to join a team, again, because with opening up, we need some spots uh, filled for cleaning teams, for a media team, for, I don't know, whatever teams we got. Just, you can go on to, um, uh, you can actually go to MyRhythmChurch.com and I think even join a team just straight from one of our tabs. Uh, we'll figure it out. Anyways, Acts chapter one, if you're there, uh, hopefully you are. It's in your New Testament. It's after Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it reads this. Now this is a side note. This is a very special Sunday for the church at large. This is Pentecost Sunday. So we're gonna get into this. Okay, Acts chapter one, verses seven and eight. And then later on, we'll jump into chapter two. It says this. Now he said to them, this is Jesus, and he's with his disciples. This is right before he ascends into heaven. These are kind of like some last words that he gives them. He says, it is not for you. Oh, wait, I'm going to go back to verse six. This is important. Verse six, this is the disciples asking a question to him. So they gathered around him, the disciples, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They want to know, like, okay, now that you've been resurrected, is this the time when, like, you're going to now be the king of basically the world? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to overthrow the Roman Empire? Like, is it go time for this? And they're thinking, as we do so often, church, and, and just people watching, we think so much in the realm of the physical, and we negate the spiritual. We think, oh, okay, now is God going to do something like in the government? Or like, that's exactly what they're asking is like, okay, are you going to, at this time, overthrow the Roman, Roman Empire? Are we now going to be a solid kingdom again? And what they don't understand is that Yes, he is at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, but not the way that they expect and not the way that I'd say we would usually expect. It's way more spiritual than it is physical. He says this, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but, this is so good, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I just want to speak as we're in this made for this series on this idea, this topic, this subject of a new season, a new season. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get to um, uh, gather uh, as family, as friends um, in our homes and in our communities. And we just ask now, Lord, that your presence would invade and fill every space and place where we're meeting. Lord, that as we hear your word, it would impact our hearts and our minds, that it would encourage us, and that it would convict us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, during this, uh, this time now, of course, I've been talking to you guys a lot about uh, what we do at home and you know I've even shared with you some of the different shows that we've been watching like on Netflix or on Hulu or on Amazon Prime 
or uh, we've watched movies on Disney Plus, haven't really watched too many shows on Disney Plus, also on Apple TV Plus. Now again, it's not like I've subscribed to all of these things. Some of them you get for free because you know, you're with Verizon, so you get Disney for, I, I, don't, I don't gotta explain myself. Anyways, one of the things with, with all of this stuff with Netflix and all these shows that we watch is they, they, they're called bingeable, right? Like what's bingeable? And which means that you wanna watch it and you just have to keep watching. Now the trick is here, people, if you haven't figured this out already, you're welcome. The trick is, is at the very end of every episode, they leave it on some sort of like cliffhanger of like, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen to the character of so-and-so? And oh my gosh, how is this gonna play out? And so it causes you to go, okay, just, just one more episode. We gotta watch just one more episode. And then one more episode turns into two more episodes, which turns into three more episodes. And pretty soon, it's way past midnight. Everyone's almost asleep on the couch, but you just have to keep watching, right? Like that's the way that they create television now. For some of you guys who might be a little bit on the older scale of millennials, maybe for sure my Gen Xers and, and, and beyond, baby boomers and whatnot, you guys remember a time now just flatter me if you will. You guys remember a time when you would watch a television show and it would be a complete show. Like at the very end, at the very end of the show, Crockett and Tubbs, they like bust the drug dealer, he's in jail, and like life goes on, right? They got the ladies and it's all good. And you know, like, you guys remember Crockett and Tubbs, Miami Vice, anybody get that? Shout out in the comments if you got Miami Vice, one of my favorite shows, anyways. Every once in a while though, every once in a while, you would get to the end of the show and there would be a cliffhanger and there would be the to be continued, right? There'd be come on the very bottom of the screen to be continued like, oh man, now I gotta wait an entire week until whatever next Tuesday or Wednesday at eight o'clock for this to come on and for us to find out what exactly happened. We couldn't binge watch at that period of time. So you'd have the to be continued, but for certain, for certain, at the end of every season, after they played out all of their episodes, at the end of every good, dramatic TV show, there was always a, the cliffhanger of like, okay, what's gonna happen next? And you'd have to wait all summer long. You guys remember this? You have to wait all summer long. You would start like in, in the fall, you'd watch fall, winter, and spring, and at the very end, there'd be like the cliffhanger, like, oh my gosh, now I gotta wait three, four, five months in order to find out what the heck happened to character so-and-so in whatever show it was, right? You guys remember that? Like there was the cliffhanger. Um, this, in a sense, what we're getting into right now in Acts, See, watch, I'm gonna tie this to scripture. It's gonna be good. <laughs> What's happening here is, is Jesus is leaving the disciples on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Like this was a complete season and we're about to get into a brand new season with all new episodes. You can think of the, the Old Testament as like one season with all these different episodes and then um, at the end of, of Malachi, there's like this cliffhanger of we've got to wait now 400 years in order to find out what's next. And then we have this season with Jesus. And, you know, you have all these different episodes. And now Jesus ends it with saying this to them and then ascending into the clouds where they can't see. He's, he's almost a little bit cryptic in what he tells them. But he says, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power and you are going to be my witnesses, my representatives, the people who show who I am to the rest of the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they, I'm sure they didn't quite fully understand what it, exactly he was saying to them. But, but ultimately what he was saying, because now that we can, we can look back and we can see in scripture, is that he was saying, look, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna fill you. 
And the Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna fill you and it's gonna empower you to live this life as a representative for me. And we're not just talking about like a representative as far as morals go. You're gonna be a more moral person or you're gonna be more of a rule follower or any of that stuff. No, he says you're gonna be filled with power, which means you're gonna live this life with power with resurrection power, with, with dunamis power, miracle working power, and you're gonna be able to represent me to the whole world, eventually to the ends of the earth. You're gonna love like I love. You're gonna forgive like I forgive. You're gonna show grace like I show grace. And he, and he says, he, he names these regions, and of course, as you look through the book of Acts, it actually kind of maps out the way the book of Acts works. You know, Jerusalem at first, then Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, but, but those are also people groups as well too. And we're not gonna get in, we don't have time to get into the, in, like it's so in depth, but basically it's the people that are going to deny you and hurt you and reject you. It's gonna be those that are the marginalized. Hear me on this church, please. We are those that need to represent Jesus to the marginalized, to those that are most marginalized in our society. And even know this, that Jesus, side note, was part of those that were marginalized. He was a Jew in the Roman Empire. He was a marginalized man. And he said, we have to love them and show, and show them the grace and we have to speak up for them we have to be a voice for them when they have no voice and he says eventually to the ends of the earth meaning those that have no clue or idea who Jesus is that's what we do that's what we're going to do because the Holy Spirit is going to come on us and dwell in us and then he disappears and it's like okay now what so they, they basically, they, they have about 10 days. This is about, about day 40 after his resurrection. They have about nine to 10 days until the day of Pentecost comes. Now, the word Pentecost, you know, penta actually means five, so it's like 50. And Pentecost would have been seven weeks after, um, well, for us, seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus. So the 49th day. And if you include Easter and the day of Pentecost, it's actually 50 full days. That's why it's called, again, Pentecost. But for them at this time, this was also a, a season where they were celebrating for Jews after the Passover, again, it would have been seven full weeks plus the day, where they would then have, they, they call it the, 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 the festival of, of weeks, festival of feasts. I'm getting those mixed, mixed up in my head right now. But anyways, this is where we're gonna jump in. Here it goes. Chapter two, verse one. It says, now when the day of Pentecost came, here we go, season two starting. Season three, sorry, season, season three starting. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages. Side note, the word for tongues here and the word for tongues and the fire, they're, they're, they're different. They mean different. The tongues of fire was a descriptor, meaning this is what it looked like, almost like, you know, like the flame of a candle. And the tongues here means the language you would speak. So they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit enabled them. Verse five, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. For them, every nation under heaven would have been within the Roman Empire because that's what they would have known. Now, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these speaking Galileans? 
How then is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? They go on to name all the different um, areas that they were from. And it says verse 10, sorry, verse, uh, verse 11. Now Egypt, the parts of uh, Liberia near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders, they're declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Now check this. Peter stands up. He's like, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, fellow Jews um, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you carefully. Listen, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Like It's nine in the morning. They're not drunk. Apparently, Peter never partied with some of my old friends because like nine in the <laughs> oh, it's true. Okay, so anyways, it's only nine, it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> I gotta find where I am. Oh, Jesus help me. There we go. Yeah, it's only nine in the morning. Um, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm just, I'm just, I just got to stop there for a little bit. Everyone, all and everyone. So first, we have this. There, it's Pentecost, okay? We have the, the Jews that are there. They're in Jerusalem, and they're celebrating, again, this, this Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks was, again, seven weeks after, for them, would have been the Passover. And the seven weeks after that is when uh, Moses goes to the top of the mountain and fire comes down on the mountain, and they get basically the law. They get the law of God, which they follow. And you read about, they get the Ten Commandments, and you see Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all that stuff. You, they get the law. So we, we, have to like, we have to compare these two things now. Because they have the, the Passover, which was where they, 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 they slaughtered a lamb, put the blood over their door, way. The spirit of death came through Egypt, killed every firstborn, except for the place where there was the, the blood of the lamb and they passed over that, right? So all of the Hebrews within Egypt, their, their children were saved. They were saved. They were passed over. And because of that, um, the Pharaoh of Egypt kicked them all out. So, it so for them, Passover represents them being delivered from slavery. Seven weeks later, Pentecost, they get the law of God which is now this is how you're going to basically perform for God. This is the, the rules that you have to follow. This is the law that's going to show you ultimately that you can't do this on your own and that you need God more than you realize, that you ultimately need a Savior, right? So let's now fast forward it into this time. You have Jesus, who is the ultimate Passover lamb, who is the, the ultimate lamb who, who set us free from our slavery to sin. He set us free from our slavery to sin by his death, burial, and resurrection, and now we, we go seven weeks, seven weeks, 
And instead of getting more law, instead of getting more rules to follow, we now get his presence. So we go from, as a people of God, having, having performance to having his preference. I'm sorry, his, his presence. From performance to presence, performance to presence, performance to presence. No longer do we have to perform anymore. No longer, that's all been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the entire law. It's not about us performing anymore from God. It's about us just receiving the grace and the goodness of God and living our lives from that point forward. Therefore, being witnesses to the rest of the world of what that grace and what that forgiveness and what that love looks like on a daily basis. Our lives need to be walking billboards for Jesus' forgiveness. So that's, that's Pentecost for us. That's when we move from a performance to his presence. And, and the fire that came, that like, like, like you know, uh, <clears throat> tongues of, of fire resting on each person was a marker for them because they understood as the people of God that fire represents his presence. Fire represents his presence. Again, for, for them, uh, it was a fire on the mountain that represented it. It was Exodus chapter 19, verses, chapter 19, verse 18. It was uh, Exodus chapter 40, verse 38, where the, for, where the fire and glory fills the tabernacle. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, where fire falls and glory fills the tabernacle. So at this point, what they're, what they're seeing, what they're understanding is this is God's presence coming to rest on and to fill his people, meaning that we are now the modern day temple. God does not reside in buildings or in structures. He resides in us. We are the people of God. We are the church. Wherever we gather, even in our homes right now, you are the church. When we gather back in this building, we are the church. Where two or three of us are together, we are the church. We represent him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Man. We are his representatives because of this moment right here. We have his presence. We have access to his presence. We have a closeness. We're no longer having to to get to him through somebody else, through a priest. We are now priests ourselves. He is not distant. He is not far. He is near. We are not having to work our way into his presence. We are just in his presence. That's Pentecost. That's Pentecost. And it goes from from being exclusive to now inclusive. Where it's just about, it was just about the the Jews. It was just about the the Hebrew people. It's just them. And then those that would eventually maybe convert to to Judaism. Like that's that's what it was. But now he says, now it's for all people. It goes from being exclusive to now to being inclusive, everybody is invited. That was always his plan. As you read throughout the Old Testament and you see prophecy after prophecy, even when, when, when he speaks to Abraham, he said, you're gonna be a father of many nations, not just one, but many nations. And this is the day where things change, where he opens it up and Peter addresses the crowd. And he begins to speak from the book of Joel and he says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just some people, but all people. I, lo- I love it that God's spirit does not discriminate. God's spirit does not say, well, this people can and that people can. No, he says, all 
people. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter any of that stuff. If you're short, if you're tall, it does not matter. God's spirit is for all people. It's for all people. And, and, <clears throat> and he speaks to all people. He speaks to all people. There were Jews that were from all over the Roman Empire that had, that had come. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes and fills that room that they were in, which more than likely was, was probably a room within the temple somewhere, because when they, when they come out of it, there's already a ton of, 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 of Jews from all over the place probably going there to worship. Which, side note, when the Holy Spirit shows up and does something so powerful, you cannot contain it in one room. You cannot contain it in one house or in one spot. It's ultimately going to spill out into the streets. It's ultimately going to spill out into your communities. And so that's a great prayer, people. Pray for the Holy Spirit to so fill you, to so fill your family, to so fill your neighborhood, to so fill the church that it begins to spill out and impact other people within the community and that are around. And so they, they, they spill out and they're speaking in other languages, they're speaking in tongues, and I don't, gosh, I wish I had time to, to get into tongues and the gift of tongues and, and what it means to speak in tongues and to pray in tongues and all of that. I encourage you to study it. People think it's weird. It's not weird. It's not weird. Why? Because it's from God and it's from the Spirit. Spirit and God aren't weird. People are weird, and we, we do some weird stuff, facts, but like God isn't. So, um, if it scares you, lean into it and find out why. But they're speaking in, in other tongues, and it says, each of these people hear them in their native languages declaring the wonders of God. Now, I, mean, I will d- d- dive in a little bit here into tongues, because some people think, well, okay, there's tongues that is, when you speak in it, it's actually another language that people are understanding their native language like as, as you speak it, almost like you're able to speak Mandarin or something like that, right? And again, there's story after story and people getting on planes and sitting next to somebody and they just feel like they're supposed to pray in tongues out loud. Turns out it's that person's language. Um, there's praying in tongues. And uh, well, that's just a heavenly language. Um, and and it, bypasses, it bypasses the natural mind and goes right to the, the spirit. And so there's the thought here that they go out and they're speaking actually a tongue that is the people's language. There's another, there's another interpretation of this portion of scripture. And that's this, that they were simply just speaking in tongues and God give, gave the gift of interpretation of interpretation to each person who was hearing them. Meaning that they just came out speaking in tongues, but the person that was from Egypt heard them in their language. The person that was from Cappadocia heard them in his own language. Meaning that there was the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation right then and there. Just kind of a side note for some of maybe you people that are more into that and are like, well, I've never thought about it that way. Well, there you go. So they begin to hear, but they hear the wonders of God. They hear people proclaiming the wonders of God. They don't, they're not hearing like some interesting apologetic scientific breakdown. They're hearing the wonders of God, of what God has done. And, and let me just encourage you people, when the Holy Spirit gets into you and so fills you, you can't help but speak about the great things God has done. You cannot help but, but declare his wonders. And, and just let me say this, some of you guys watching right now, you are a wonder. Yeah. Like people look at you and wonder how the heck your life changed so drastically. People wonder how you were, were mean and cold and, and so uh, 
unloving to now you're one of the nicest, loving, most generous people that they've ever met. That you, your life is a wonder. Your testimony is a, a wonder. Like, proclaim that stuff. Get out and speak about the good things God has done in your life. And that's all they do. They spill into the streets and they begin to speak about the wonders of God. And the, all these people hear them. And of course, when they, don't, they don't know how to respond. They're like, man, all these people are drunk. Peter's like, it's only nine in the morning. Ain't nobody wasted yet, you know. They're, by the way, it says in the Bible not to get drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. So it's a whole other, gosh, wish we had more time. But um, there's, there's a thought process also, too, within this, is that the, the Spirit is a unifier. The Spirit of God unifies us. Um, many theologians believe, and I'll just lean into this a little bit, many theologians believe that this is now the, the, uh, what's the, the reverse of Babel, the reverse of the Tower of Babel. Because in Genesis, check this out, in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, Great story, go read it. God comes down and, and he, or he's, he's, he's kind of like checking out the people and he finds that all of them are speaking the same language and they're trying to build, they're building a tower that's gonna lead, like lead to heaven. And they're saying, they're, we're gonna make a name for ourselves and we're gonna be great. And God sees, he actually says in verse six, wow, when people are unified with the common language, there is nothing that they can accomplish. So in that moment, God, I don't know if he snapped his fingers. He did something. I don't, I don't and, and confused everybody's languages. So they all began to speak different languages. And they couldn't communicate with each other. And this right here, again, it, it's, it's the great reversal of Babel. Where, where now people are coming together and they're going to speak the common language of the Spirit. They're going to speak the common language of God. We're all going to be connected and united. A.W. Tozer says it like this in his book, Pursuit of God, one of my all-time favorite books. If you're looking for books to read at this time and you have not read that one, read it. Unbelievably good. But he says, has it ever occurred to you? No, A.W., it hasn't. But has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. That's good. Can you just let that sit for a second? 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically then tuned to each other. Today, people, I see way too much division in the body of Christ. Way too much division. Christians are the first to go after each other. We're the first to, to blog about each other. We're the first to criticize each other. I mean, especially even right now of like, man, oh, that church is opening. I can't believe they're opening. What are they even thinking? They're opening and they're not even having mass. And other people are like, I'm, I can't believe that that church isn't open yet. And I can't believe there are so many rules and stipulations that in order to attend a service, that's not freedom in Christ. And, and we start to go at each other as opposed to, let's not, let's not go at each other. Let's pray for each other. Let's be unified in each other. Let's pray. The church that you disagree with, pray for him. The pastor that you disagree with, pray for him. Pray for her. Like, let's, let's get back to let's like, listen to what the Spirit might be saying. What is the Spirit saying to your people? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? 
What are you saying for the region of Southern California? What are you saying? What are you saying for the region of the Midwest? What are you saying for China? What are you saying, Holy Spirit? And let's get ourselves to a point to where we're unified. And, and, and again, let me, allow me just take another side note because it's in this time on Pentecost Sunday. Like imagine what it would speak to the world right now. What it would speak to our nation is if the church was unified. If during this time, other Christians spoke so well of other Christians, if, if pastors spoke well of other pastors, if during this time, we showed the world that we are unified, that we are the body of Christ, that we are here to, to, to love the unlovable, we are here to proclaim the good news to all who walk on this earth. So, after Peter recites Joel, he goes on to explain to them basically about how they crucified Jesus. He goes through some history and so on and so forth and, and, and shows them that Jesus is the Messiah. It says, verse 36, says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What we have right now, you'll get it too. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Meaning this is for generations, people. The decisions you make right now in your family that concern Jesus, that concern the Holy Spirit, are not only going to impact you, but they're going to impact your children and your children's children and your children's, or your children. It's going to go a long while. <laughs> generations, people, generations. This is a generational decision. Your children all far off from you and for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. What, okay, okay, what, what must we do now? Like we get this and some of you guys are out there, well, Jeff, I, man, I've, already, I've already repented, I've already, I've already I've repented, I've been baptized, like what must we do? I think it's important people what we must do is we have to move our faith from consumeristic to evangelistic. The, uh, the church has become far too, the body of the people of God have become far too consumeristic and not nearly as evangelistic as we are called to be. We are called to go out and change the world. That's what we're called to do. But instead, we've, we've, we've called ourselves to sit in a seat or to sit in a pew and to maybe, maybe study this and, and, and maybe just hang out with other Christians. And, and, and we're just going to stay in our little us four and, and no more. We're going to stay in our Christian comfort zones. And we were never called to do that. We were never saved to be safe. And far too many of us are concerned with our safety and, and our, our comfortability than we are seeing other people, lost people, come to Jesus. We critique, we, we critique like, like I was talking about earlier, we critique churches, or we critique pastors, we critique messages, we critique these things as opposed to like 
going out and showing these things. I, I had a conversation one time. Gosh, I'm going to go longer. Please just hang with me today. It's Pentecost Sunday. But I remember having a conversation with, with this young man one time. And he comes up and he, he starts to like, you know, drill me on, on my message. And he says, hey, man, um, because that, uh, that's cool. Love of God and stuff. I've heard that before. It was a message all about God's love. He's like, I've, heard, I've heard that before. But like, but like where do you stand on, on end times? I said, man, I go, you know, well, I've got my views. I've got my uh, opinions. And he's like, yeah, but I just, man, I just thought like, man, that's basic. Like God's love is, is a basic teaching. We've got to move on from that. And I go, okay, well, then, then show me this. Um, tell me about how you've been loving people with God's love, and then we can move past it. And he just, just blank face. I said, I, I get that this might be basic, but until we're living this out, until it's really seen in our lives, um, we're not even basic. We may think, we may think we're, we're deep, but we're, a lot of us, we're not even basic yet. We've got to move past basic. Basic has to be basic for us. Of course I love people. Of course I treat people well. It says, you cannot say that you love God, but hate your brother or sister. It says that in 1 John. But how many of us are just living basic? We, we're too consumeristic. We are allowing the culture to shape us. We're even allowing the culture to shape the church. Man, right now in this whole pandemic and everything that's happening, I'm listening to like, leaders respond in, in this thing of like, okay, now, now that this is all different, how is the church going to react? And, and my thing is, well, let's have the church begin to shape culture instead of culture shape the church. Let's get back to our mandate to change the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's get back Holy Spirit-filled Christians, believers. Let's get back to changing the world. I say it to my staff all the time. I say it to George, who's right here in the room. I said, George, let's, let's change the world, bro. Let's change the world. Let's keep our vision in front of us. We're not called to be consumers. We're, we're called to be evangelistic believers going out and sharing the love of Christ. He says to them, they're like, he says to them, repent. Repent and be baptized, which means, now again, today we go repent, it's such a heavy word, ah, oh, repent. If you grew up in church, like repent means coming to, come to the altar, putting your head down, tears out, I'm the worst person ever, more, feeling more condemnation than we, should be, like, than we should be. Ultimately, we need to feel convic conviction, that's last week's sermon. But we get to that point, oh, no. To repent just means to change your mind, to change the way you're thinking. To turn around, stop living this direction, start living that direction. Just turn around, start thinking differently. Romans chapter 12, be not conformed in, into this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by thinking differently. Man. Repent. Baptism, I won't go too deep into that, but again, it was just more of like a, a reflection and understanding of our identity now. Think differently about yourself. Know who you are now that you're, that you're a believer, that you're in the kingdom, that you're a son or a daughter. What shall we do? At the very end, he says, save yourselves. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And isn't it funny, even back then it was corrupt, still corrupt today. Generation just wasn't a, a, an age group of people. This generation meant a, a, a people group, uh, a gathering, a culture. Save yourself.
from this culture. And we save ourselves, of course, by leaning in to Jesus because stuff is not, it's not good. Like right now, if you look at our culture, if you look at what's going on today, it's not good. This can, I'll just be honest with you, church, this is a hard week for me. Gosh, two weeks in a row, I'm gonna start crying. It's, it's, been a hard, it's been a hard week for me. What's happening, what's happening in our nation is not okay. And I'm not just, I'm not just speaking about coronavirus. And speaking about <clears throat> George Floyd, about Arbery. Brianna Taylor, I'm speaking about people who lost their lives really for no, no good reason. And uh, we can't ignore this. Like we're, as the body of Christ, we, We can't be silent on issues like this. We have the power to change things, people. I know some of us feel powerless in this, but we have, if we really believe God, if we really believe this Bible, if we really believe the words of Jesus, if we really believe that the Holy Spirit indwells inside of us, the power of God lives inside of us, then we have to understand that we do have the power to change nations. We have the power to change nations, and it's not always how we think. Jesus operated, lived, operated his ministry. He operated in an in a unjust, corrupt political system. He operated in an unjust, corrupt political system. But Jesus never tried to change laws. Jesus changed hearts, and he changed minds. And let me, let me encourage some of you guys out there. Some of you, I know, are maybe still in a process, but some of our hearts need to change still, and some of our minds need to change still. <clears throat> and that only comes by Jesus. It only comes by Jesus. If people will realize when you are changed by the Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday, when you're changed, you're changed. You think differently, you feel differently, you empathize differently. We need to change the world. We, we got to... We need a move of God, people. We need a move of God. We need a revival. And we need a revival, not like in, in the midst of just like a revival service where things are crazy and man, worship is awesome. Yes, I, I want that, but we need a revival. We need a revival of our hearts and of our minds. We need those things that maybe are dead and dormant in us and in our spirits to be brought back to life. 
And that's the only solution I have. I don't have a four-phase plan in, in, on how to, to, to change these things in our country. I, don't, I wish I did. I just know that Jesus is the answer for so much of this. That Jesus can soften the hardest heart. We were made for this. Each of us were made to be vessels of his spirit. We are, we're, we're made in his, in his image. All of us are made in his image. We're image bearers, but we need to be representatives. We need to be his representatives. To love like he loved. To heal like he healed to show grace and forgiveness like he showed. The Holy Spirit is active in our lives. We're gonna see these things. We will see change. And so I'm gonna pray right now, and again on this, this Sunday, wherever you're at, I'm gonna pray right now that the Holy Spirit comes into your space and your place. Maybe some of you guys might even have a chapter two type experience where you feel the rushing wind. Maybe some of you guys might just have a very quiet moment just where you feel his presence, maybe even for the very first time. Because he can, he can work in all these different ways. He can work through a screen. He will work through a screen right now. And I want us all just to, 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 to be in a posture of receptivity. And we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and fills each and every one of our spaces and places in each and every one of us as individuals. And watch, he's going to do it. And that's, that's what changes us. It's his presence that changes us. That's what separates us. Exodus chapter 33, it's what sets us apart from everyone else on this earth is his presence. So right now, Wherever you're at, I just would ask that you would just put your hands out. Just open them up. Just showing that one, you've, you're not trying to hold on to anything right now. You're not trying to hold on to your agenda. You're not trying to hold on to your thoughts or your opinions. None of it. You're just simply saying, Lord, I'm ready for you to fill these hands, to fill my heart, to fill my mind. So Jesus, we ask right now, send your Holy Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit into all of our living rooms, into all of our rooms, wherever we're watching from. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I pray that you would fill each and every one of us. God, for those who have never been filled with the Holy Spirit before, I pray right now for a brand new baptism of your Spirit in their life. I pray right now for all of those who have, I, I pray for a refilling, for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit right now in each and every one of our lives. And I ask, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Change us, empower us. to live this life as a representative 
of you to a lost, hurt, and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, church. I'm praying for you, and I cannot wait for us to gather again all together in the same room, and you bring your faith and your faith and your faith, and we all come together. It's going to be amazing. Love you, and we'll see you soon.